But if you can own the first 60 minutes of your day, you will own your day. And when you own your days, you own your life. So I will tell you now, most days, I didn't start this way, but most days I am not in my email until like lunchtime, lunchtime. I spend my morning working, advancing projects, doing the creative work, getting it done first. Cause guess what? I run a business. I will be on email. Everybody gets responded to. I have a team. It's all going to be there. But email is everybody else's freaking priorities. And if you are last on your own list, you are probably waking up every morning responding to what everyone else wants. You're jumping right into your Instagram. You're going right into Twitter and you're doing all of these things that put you last on your own list. Hi there, guys. Today we are joined all the way from the Midwest in the U.S. by Judy Holler. She is a author, a very, very popular author, I should say. And today we're going to talk about this book here called uh, Fear is My Homeboy, How to Slay Doubt, Boss Up and Succeed on Your Own Terms. She also has her own podcast called Yes And, so check that out as well. And she has uh, a very successful company called Holler. It's a production company as well. So today we cover a hell of a lot of ground just to give you some of the highlights she describes this new idea called becoming a fear scientist, uh, meaning to test uh, your different uh, aspects of fear to overcome the things that are preventing you from becoming or achieving the things that you really want for yourself. And pay careful attention to the part of the show where she uh, shares some practical examples of that. Um, and then we also talk at length about this idea of unlearning. And she describes beautifully this idea that in life there are no mistakes, only gifts. So pay careful attention to that one. And then one other uh, thing right towards the end of the show, she talks about this idea of freedom comes by smashing your comfort zones. And we talk about how to break through the, the comfort zones to get comfortable with being uncomfortable um, and many, many other things. So I'm very, very grateful to have had her on the show. Um, and one more thing going have a look at her fear boss community it is a facebook group it's a private group but uh, we share the details around that so uh, this is just a really great powerful episode guys she's got a lot of power uh, a lot of passion she's very authentic so i'm super excited to give you uh, the front row seat to judy hollow hello ladies and gentlemen welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the matt brown show today i'm joined all the way from Ohio, of all places, the deep west, the Midwest. Judy Hollow, welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, Matt Brown. I'm so excited to be here with you in and meet all your listeners in South Africa. And yes, I'm in the middle of the Midwest right here in America. Um, Ohio. I know, right? Jeez, it's amazing. Well, look, um, we're going to be talking about uh, this year book today, uh, which I think is a subject that is probably many of us are very familiar with, which is fear, right? Um, as you mentioned before we started, it's actually a book about courage. Uh, but the book is up here on the screen, guys. You can go and grab it. Uh, it's got some ridiculous amounts of five-star reviews, uh, close to a thousand. So fear is my homeboy, how to slay doubt, boss up and succeed on your own terms. So uh, super excited to, to get into this with you today, Judy. Um, but uh, before we uh, deliver the meat and the potatoes to our audience around the world, uh, why don't you give us the elevator pitch? Um, who are you? What are you about? What do we need to know? Yeah. So the one sentence pitch on what I do is that I use comedy. I use humor to help people become more confident and live a braver life. So I have a background in the improv, improv theater. Do you have improv theater Mm -hmm. a scene over there in South Africa. Do you have improv in, in South Africa? We do. We do. We've got quite a, a very, we've got some great comedians. Obviously Trevor Noah is obviously, you know who he is. Yes. Um, yeah. So we do, we do a lot of that stuff out here. Not that I've ever done it, but certainly, yeah. <laughs> oh, got a scene. So here in the States, Second City is a very famous improv theater in Chicago. And that's where I studied professionally. I'm an alumni of their conservatory theater. And I was, I was doing improv at night and on the weekends. And by day, I was working in sales and marketing. So I had a big career and was doing presentations and opening hotels. And, you know, I was in that hospitality convention business in the States. And 
I would go to these improv classes at night and realize I was being told very different things than what I was being told in corporate America, right? So by day, I'm being told, you know, be yourself, but not too much, or do whatever you want with the presentation, but make sure you copy everybody and let us know what you're going to do. Or yeah, wear whatever you want, but make sure you put on your pantyhose. Like in the States, in the hotel world, like you had to wear pantyhose with suits and it was really corporate back in the day. But at night, I was doing improv and I was being told to fail to fail fast, to fail hard, to be myself, to mess up, to make mistakes, to channel all of those things that make me weird and use them on stage to propel scenes forward. And it just made me think very differently about my fear, uh, the way I navigate courageous decisions in my life, life. And honestly, it made me more confident. So here I am in improv being really brave on stage, taking risks, but then I'd go to work and I would like ask for the raise. I'd go for the promotion. I'd sit in the front row at meetings. I'd speak up first on conference calls. I'd do presentations and raise my hand to like lead sales meetings. And that changed my life. And it led to the book, my first book, which is now called Fear is My Homeboy, which is this idea of befriending your fear. And I wanted to have a playful conversation with fear. And I wanted to have a conversation that, that changed the way we view our fear. And I really believe that fear can be a powerful ally in our lives that can um, lead us down beautiful, beautiful uh, paths and open incredible doors. Yeah, couldn't agree with you. Couldn't agree with you more. I think, especially um, you know, entrepreneurship is um, it's a it's something anybody, well, everyone can do it, but it's not for everyone. And I think the hardest, if if you think about fear, uh, fear in running a business never goes away. It's just the degree or, or the acuteness of that fear that oscillates. So when and it's probably most acute the day that you decide to start a company. So whether you are, you know, decide you're unemployable or whatever the, your reasoning is, that day is the is the scariest day of your life, especially if you've never done it. Um, but once you once you decide, um, and then you start executing, the rest of the fear is actually weirdly more manageable, which is which is crazy because then you think, well, you know, like I've got forty plus staff now, so. If you think about that fear of like making payroll for you know, the responsibility that goes along with that versus the first day, the 40 staff like context is easier than the first day. And I find that um, so, so interesting. And I'd love to explore that idea with you or maybe that context with you. Because obviously, as you know, fear is something that, that's ingrained in all of us, fight or flight, right? It's there for a reason. But to your point, I think the associations that we have with fear are the things that ultimately determine, you know, whether you're going to start a business or whether you're going to continue to suffer in this in this miserable existence called the job, um, you know. Um, and so, I'd like to get your view. I mean, what do we misunderstand about fear now? Mm. Well, I think we misunderstand that this notion of fearless. I think that's the most important thing we have to understand. And I really take issue with that word. I hate that word. I hate, hate the word fearless because think about it, Matt, like if you were really fearless as a human, as an entrepreneur, you would do all kinds of crazy stuff. Like you would never go to a doctor. You would never pay your taxes in South Africa. You would, you would eat poisonous foods. You'd walk into traffic. So we don't want to be fearless. And there's a, a, an American writer. Her name is Elizabeth Gilbert. She's very famous. Most of your, your listeners might know of her, right? And so she wrote a book, many books, but she wrote this specific book called Big Magic. It's all about creative living beyond fear, okay? And this was actually the book I was reading when I... I was on my honeymoon. I write about this in my book. I was on my honeymoon. I was reading Big Magic and that is where I came up. It was like a lightning bolt from the skies. It's where I came up with the idea for fear is my homeboy because she said this. She said, listen, you don't want to be fearless, right? Because fearless people would put themselves into really dangerous situations on purpose. And the only fearless people I know are like five-year-olds 
and sociopaths, right? Five-year-olds and sociopaths. So we don't we don't want to be five again, and we most certainly aren't sociopaths. Uh, so the goal shouldn't be fearless. It should be brave. That leads me to my second point. So look what just happened. We lost video for a second, you know, uh-huh. and maybe old Judy, the Judy before improv would have went, oh my God, what do I do? I've lost camera and oh my God, I'm ruining Matt's show. But now that I know better, I have confidence that listen there are no mistakes only gifts and there is no perfect in this life and so I think that leads me to my second point when we think about the misunderstandings of fear so number one you don't need to be fearless all you got to do is be a little bit braver than you were yesterday your goal is to fear your fear less not be fearless so that's number one and number two I think it's important to make sure everyone listening understands what improv really is. So there may be people that are like, what is she talking about? What is improv and what is what does it matter? What, what does it mean? So improv, what makes it very different than stand-up comedy, stand-up comedians, is that we have no script. The plot, the storyline, the dialogue, the characters, it's all made up on the fly as we go. We use our training to succeed on stage without a script and we get our suggestions from the audience. Okay. And um, what I love about this, this idea is that life really is most certainly entrepreneurship is freaking improv. When was the last time, Matt, that you woke up with a script? right? Like you may have some show notes in front of you for the pod today. You may have a to-do list and some goals and some plans, but I think COVID and what's going on here in the States and certainly throughout the globe has reminded us all that we're never in control and that you never have a script, but the only thing you can control is how you show up to the moment. And that's big. Yeah, such such a great point. Um, I wanted to maybe double down on this. You keep talking about improv and I kind of want to get the comedians almost or someone who knows far more about comedy than I ever will. Um, but um, I'd like to get um, maybe just to give some more context around because I like I think I'm kind of connecting it for myself, but I just want to make sure. How, what is the relationship do you feel in the sense of improv comedy where there is no script there is no, you're kind of taking, as you said, you're taking your feedback from the audience um, to then determine what you should do. I mean, what is the, what is the relationship to improv in real life in the context of overcoming things like even self-doubt? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah. Well, improv really is rooted in a deep, a deep uh, understanding of oneself and most importantly, self-trust. So you have to trust yourself in order to succeed on stage without a script. You have to love yourself. You have to believe that no matter what happens up there, you're going to be okay and you're going to figure it out. And honestly, Matt, that's all I really think confidence is. I think confidence is rooted out of an understanding that you can do hard things because you've done hard things before and lived to talk about it. So it helps you succeed without a script. So for example, you and I, this podcast today, And this is what I loved about being on the show with you. Well, so many things, right? Um, I love your platform. I love your success. I love what you've done. And hello, South Africa, your accent is literally one of my favorite things on the planet. That said, 
we have no script for the show. You didn't send me a bunch of show notes that said, here's what we're going to talk about today, Judy. And here's the questions I'm going to ask you. We are improvising right now. And the, the way I've been, become comfortable in what would normally be an uncomfortable situation, having no script, is the fact that I've run the drill. I've practiced doing things that are uncomfortable, which helps me get more comfortable being uncomfortable. So in my book, I write about fear experiments. That's really the big idea behind my work on fear. We have this mantra in our community that we are fear scientists, experimenting with our fear every day on purpose. And the more you do this, the stronger and braver you get. Hmm. That's such a cool label. I love that. Fear scientists, be the, sci- the fear scientist of your own life. That's so interesting, right? Um, and I see you've also, I think just to maybe add a comment, so I see you've also got your own podcast there. By the way, if you are listening to this on the audio version, go check out the YouTube channel. There's an incredible studio there that uh, Judy's got for herself. So your podcast, Yes And. So um, I, I don't know if you recall or how long your journey's been with podcasting specifically, um, but I do recall my first time, to your point, you know, having a conversation with a stranger, for me, being a complete introvert, um, is a difficult, well, at the time, five years ago, it was a difficult thing to do, right? I'm sure you can relate. It's almost like the first time you hear your voice being recorded, you're like, no, I don't sound like that. Yes, you know, yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to your point, you, 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 the more you experiment with having these comfortable slash uncomfortable conversations, the easier it gets to a point where it's almost non-existent, right? So you overcome your own, uh, your own sort of imposter syndrome, if you like. Um, is imposter syndrome something that as a concept that you resonate with? Yeah, big time. And I almost feel like if you don't, you are not a human being, right? You've got, you've got, you're a robot, right? Because most people I know struggle with it. And here's the thing about imposter syndrome. Well, I have two perspectives on it. Number one, you know, really the root of imposter syndrome is just, you could be crushing it. You could have all the success. You've got a million in downloads, big podcast, huge platform, 40 staff, all this stuff, but you still feel like a fraud and you still feel like you're going to get found out one day and that, oh my God, I really don't know what I'm doing and they're all going to find me out and oh my God, I'm going to be canceled and what's going on and I don't know what I'm doing. But here's the deal. I feel the same way. And most days I have no idea what I'm doing, but the difference is... I do it anyway. I go forward anyway because I'm not afraid to fail. I believe that there are no mistakes, only gifts, and that you will either win or you will learn, but you'll never lose. And this can reframe your mindset around failure, A, and imposter syndrome, B. And here's the other thing I love to think about when it comes to like jealousy or comparison or imposter syndrome, which so many of us struggle with um, overall from a confidence perspective, most certainly as entrepreneurs and creators and makers, right? I love to think about it this way. Instead of being like, oh no, imposter syndrome showed up again, or I'm feeling jealous again, or uh, comparisons here again. I do what fear doesn't expect and I get excited about it. So when imposter syndrome shows up and I feel like an imposter, I go, ooh, I've arrived. Hold up, hold up. I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling competitive. I'm feeling like an imposter. I've arrived because I believe when you feel those things, it means you want more for yourself. I believe it means you're ready for more. I believe you are inspired by something. So the big idea is this, Matt, like why do we give fear the power? Why do we hide? Like when imposter syndrome shows up, why do we like cower down to it? Instead, why don't we rise up to it and go, okay, this means I'm ready. This means I see something I want for myself and that I believe I am ready for and made for more in my life. And so I use these sort of Jedi mind tricks to do what fear doesn't expect. And it doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that I don't feel imposter syndrome. I just know how to use it to move me forward instead of allowing imposter syndrome to make me play small. Yeah, well said. I think um, just to, uh, another comment from my side, or just actually just a comment on something that you said. I love the statement, there are no mistakes, only gifts. 
Because I think if you think about that statement, you're almost reframing this idea of, well, mistakes are bad. You know, the things you learn at school, you know, it's like, well, if you didn't get an A plus on your maths test, you know, you failed, like it's bad. Um, and so we carry all these. So anyway, I'm using that to, to illustrate the point. And my point is all of this is learned, right? So the, um, the, to your point about confidence earlier, you know, if, you, if you're a confident person, you learned how to be confident. If you are a person that lets fear dictate the choices you make in your life, you learned how to allow that to happen, right? So, um, and so I want to also, I think you mentioned it earlier, but this idea of unlearning and the, on the show, I can't remember who, who mentioned it, but it was like the smart man learns something new every day. The wise man unlearns something new every day. But the other thing that's very interesting about that is that um, we're not taught how to unlearn something right? We taught how to like one plus one equals like two or whatever the case is, but how do you unlearn something? Oh my gosh. If I had the answer to that, I'd probably be a billionaire. It is so hard to unlearn things, isn't it? Because we get so set in our ways. And I really think like anything else that comes with practice. And for me, the way I, I'll just give you my perspective, the way I have gotten better at unlearning, because listen, I can get really set in my ways and I have rituals and habits that um, allow me to perform at high levels, which are so important, but it's easy to get set in your ways and it's easy to read the same things and follow the same people and do the same things you've always done because this is the way you've always done them. And I know that's a dangerous place to live because we have to be getting uncomfortable regularly if we want to live a more comfortable life. Uh, It any success requires you to get uncomfortable in order to earn it, right? And so one of the ways I have been able to unlearn in my life is I make sure, because like I said, it's easy to get set in your ways. I make sure that I mix up my inputs because we have to be getting uncomfortable if we want to live and earn, earn a comfortable life. So I'm making sure that I'm mixing up my inputs, meaning I try to follow people, companies, thought leaders, authors that are different than me. I want people that look different than me, that live in different places than me, that have different beliefs than me. And I I do that on purpose because I think it's how we get different outputs in our life and in our business. If I only read and followed and listened to people that thought and looked like me, dude, I'd be a pretty boring person. But when you read, like I follow DJs and artists and tap dancers and graffiti and uh, scientists, and I'm reading a lot of biographies and things like that to really make sure that I have um, a wide repertoire of, of things to call on, which makes me interesting to talk to because I know a lot about a little and, and it remixes my input so that I have, I have a more unique business and I create more unique content and I write more unique things because I'm seeing the world, not just in my little world that I've been taught to, to, to learn about. Like I'm going outside of that and I'm unlearning by opening doors to new people, ideas, and possibilities. So hopefully that's something that uh, will be helpful as, as I, you know, I don't know if I answered the question, but that's what I think of when I think of unlearning, making sure that you have a diversified portfolio of thought leaders and writers and educators that make up your everyday world. Yeah, it's a big question. It's a big question. It's just like you keep, I keep hearing that sort of stuff on, on social media. It's like, oh, no, you must unlearn, you know, unlearn this. Because also if you think about it in the context of technology and how fast the world's moving, you almost have to unlearn the things that you know in, in some cases to become relevant. So I think that's where that kind of came from. Um, but, uh, but regardless, um, I loved your answer still. Um, I would like to um, maybe just go back a step. You mentioned uh, being a fierce scientist. So obviously scientists are always kind of running experiments. Um, Judy, do you have any practical exercises, just one, if you don't mind, that um, you feel that anybody can do to kind of almost disassociate from a fear, you know, some, some kind of fear that may be stopping them or preventing them from doing the things that serve them? Yes. The number one thing someone could do to start making massive change in their lives, in their business, in their relationships, uh, is to 
experiment with fear every day on purpose. I mean, this is the number one life mantra and it all began in the improv theater for me, but let's break this down. Let's make it practical. Uh, so we've invited you to become a fear scientist, which means if you are listening to this, uh, that you become a fear scientist and it means you experiment a little bit with your fear every day, which means you are getting outside of your comfort zone on purpose in small and big ways every single day. And what I love about being a scientist, thinking of yourself as a fear scientist, just experimenting with fear is it removes the stress and the overwhelm and the anxiety and the fear out of anything new you want to try. And it welcomes in more confidence and courage and creativity and play because if you are just a fear scientist simply experimenting with fear you can't really mess it up because it's just an experiment so big fear experiments could be things like quitting a job quitting a bad habit losing weight running a marathon writing a book moving to a new city moving from austin to south africa i mean these are all really big fear experiments that said and this is important you don't need to move from South Africa to Texas or like jump out of a plane to be brave, to show yourself or anyone else that you're brave. You can do small, everyday things and still be working the courage muscle. I believe courage is a muscle, just like creativity. And if you don't use your creativity, you lose it. So we've got to date it. Same with our courage. If you don't date your spouse, they're probably not going to hang out with you for very long. They're going to go away because you don't pay them any attention. Same with creativity. Same with courage. We have to date our courage if we want to get braver. We have to hang out with it. We have to lift the weight, right? So small fear experiments. And I would give everyone listening right now the homework assignment. Everybody's got a homework assignment. After you listen to this podcast, by the end of the day today, you have to conduct your very first fear experiment. And it could be you trying a new food. It could be you charging your phone in the bathroom tonight. It could be you taking a walk without your phone. It could be you wearing a new color. It could be you um, going on camera on your next Zoom meeting if you hate going on camera. It could be you setting up coffee with a new colleague virtually. You get my point here. Fear experiments can be small, everyday things. But the point is, are you getting uncomfortable enough? And the big question is this, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Fear experiments are our weights in the gym. They're how we get stronger and braver. So the homework assignment, the tactical tool is for everyone listening. Go do something different today. Go mix it up. Take a selfie. Post it on Instagram. Start an Instagram. Mm -hmm. Send someone that you want to meet a DM on Instagram. What do you have to lose? And Instead of worrying about all the stuff that could go wrong, maybe you start focusing on what could go right. Yeah. Or you could invite Judy Hollow onto the Matt Brown show. That's a great fear experiment. What if she would do this? <laughs> or you could go on the Matt Brown show over in South Africa. <laughs> this is my fear experiment for the day. And look at, look at Matt. We're still breathing. Uh -huh. We've got oxygen we have it. We have a heart beating in our chest. And the more you do this, the stronger and braver you get. I promise you there. People come to the community. We call ourselves fear bosses, which means we're the boss, not our fear. And people come to the fear boss community because they want to be braver and all this stuff. And they are and I, the number one question I get is, how do I overcome my fear? How do I get over my fear? And they usually don't like my answer because I'm like, you'll never really get over your fear. Scary things never feel less scary and uncomfortable things never get less uncomfortable, but you can work with your fear. You can get stronger and you can get braver. And we run the drills every day to ensure that's our reality. So yeah, Matt, you just did a fear experiment with me and I'm doing one with you right now. And guess what? It's going to make us braver. Yeah. It's so funny because it's never as bad as what you think it's going to be. Never, never, never. Never. Uh, worry. You want to hear something I love? This is a quote I love so much. If you are driving right now, remember this. If you're not driving, write this down. Put it somewhere real big in your office. Worry. Worry is a misuse of imagination. Worry is a misuse of imagination. Think of all the stories you tell yourself in your head. 99.9% .9 of the time, it does not happen. So imagine if you channeled that energy 
and used all that imagination to go write a new story, to tell a new story, to create something new in your business, to uh, take action on something in your life. Worry is wasting your time and it's a misuse of imagination. And it doesn't mean bad things won't happen, but why are we spending and wasting energy worrying about stuff that hasn't even happened yet? So I agree with you there. And that quote reminds me every day to use my imagination in productive ways. Yeah, that's such a great point. Worry is in Latin is worry, and it literally means to choke. Oh, no. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, imagine like if you were choking your potential off through worry. It's crazy. It's like, um, to your point though, just to maybe echo what you said. I mean, if you're, of the thousand things that I, let's just say, that I worry about in a week or whatever, um, like 1,000 of those things hardly ever happen. Do you know what I'm saying? But so we like to project into the future, right? And it's because of like social media in many cases, it's like, well, what's going to happen with COVID and then the elections and then the economy. And then it's like, well, you can't control those things, right? They, well, I mean, outside of voting, you can't really control the outcome, right? So um, uh, I wanted to uh, maybe use that preamble to talk about this idea of momentum, because if you're going to, if you are a natural warrior and obviously, Predicting into the future creates, in many cases, anxiety and then therefore a lack of action. And so uh, momentum, at least in my experience, is a very important thing to have, whether you do that through setting fair experiments. And as you said, you know, you get better at it, you start to build up things that are, and suddenly you become this, things start to snowball and then you're like a different person and you go from one podcast to 300, whatever the case might be. Um, how important is momentum? How do we unlock this power of sort of compounded momentum? Oh, I love that you're going there. I write uh, chapters five in my book. It could be chapter six. Isn't that so bad? But either way, it's, uh, I think it's chapter six, actually. It's called The Magic of Momentum. Literally. I wrote really? a whole chapter about it because it is everything. And if there's one thing fear hates, it's action. It's momentum because you know what that means? It means you'll get stuff done, which means you'll change, which means you may not need your fear as much, which means you're going to have a different relationship with your fear. So fear freaks out and tries to keep you stuck safe and just the same so you don't go change. So momentum is a beautiful way to not only get momentum in your life and move things forward, but it's a beautiful way to move with your fear and kind of through it to the other side. So action really is the name of the game. And for me, and listen, if anybody's listening to this that struggles with anxiety, clinical depression, has some mental health stuff, and I think a lot of us have that acutely right now with what's going on in the world, most certainly here in America, momentum can really become your medicine almost as importantly as movement, moving your body. Because for me, someone who has had lifelong anxiety, uh, I, I have used small daily actions and working in small windows to go really big on my dreams and my goals. Because here's the thing, you could have all these dreams for your life and in, in your business and your family, whatever that may look like, but that doesn't matter if you don't put a plan behind it. Dreams are great, but what we want are goals because goals have a plan behind them and action behind them. And I think so many of us get stuck here because we don't know where to start. We, we feel so overwhelmed by our goal for our business or our life that we just don't know where to start. So we don't start. The anecdote is small actions, going small to go big. And honestly, Matt, most of my life and my business, I kid you not, is in 90 day windows. Now I definitely have yearly goals. Here's what I want to get done personally. Here's what I want to get done professionally. But think about it. I wrote those down in January. Let me tell you, by March 15th, they were very different because the world blew up. So what's great about working in small windows is you're not in too deep on stuff that becomes irrelevant and you have momentum because you actually start getting things done, right? So for me, working in these 90-day windows, it's so funny. We actually, um, I have, I call it goal-focused planning, and there's a lot of science and research behind the power of small windows for momentum-based goal achievement. And so the, the science shows us that when you work in small windows, you double your chances of achieving results 
Personally, Matt, like I've seen a 90% ROI over the last five years on bringing dreams and goals to the finish line because I've started working in 90-day windows. And I have loved this concept and this idea so much that I, I we literally, this is what we've been doing this year. We created a, a goal, our, my own planner, our own goal focus planner. And we're super excited about it. It comes out December 1st here in the States. And um, it's all about working in 90-day windows, uh, thinking about who I want to be in the future. But what am I doing today to get momentum, to keep things moving forward and to tell fear to sit down so I can get to work. Yeah. Uh, there's so much I want to unpack there. Um, so there's, a, if I'd like to start by sharing a quote with you. I put it out as a tweet yesterday, I think, and it goes like this. The entrepreneur who moves a mountain first starts by carrying away stones. Um, and I, I read that somewhere and I, I just tweet stuff I come across. Um, so it's definitely not my my, my words, but certainly the sentiment is something that I think resonates completely with me listening to what you've just said in the sense that when you set the goal, because you mentioned goals, right? And chunking essentially. So if you decide you're going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro or whatever your goal is, run a marathon, you know, whatever that might be, or start a business, the moment you decide that, that you set that goal for you, you set that as the intention and it's a big one because you've never done it before, that immediately creates fear straight away because inner doubt always precedes fear. Um, and so um, what we like to do also in many cases is implement the wrong habits to then overcome, like, you know, as you said, to achieve those goals because it's kind of like, well, how do I like make your first million dollars or whatever the case is, you know? Um, and so uh, I love your idea about chunking, because, but I think just another thing to throw into the hat there, I'd like to get your view on it, to-do lists are terrible things to create because it creates anxiety straight away. If you create like 10 things I have to do today, it's like, well, I'm not going to get through all those 10 things today. So, so one of the things that I've started to do is, is to create to do for next week. So it's just like, it takes the pressure off, right? Um, so I'd like to uh, maybe unpack with you a little bit more, if you don't mind, uh, on top of chunking, uh, maybe do to-do list for next week. What are some of the other, the other ways that we can alleviate, you know what I'm saying, or better execute towards the visions that we have for ourselves? A hundred percent. So A, working in small windows, 90-day windows, then taking those 90-day goals and putting them into monthly actionable bite-sized chunks, right? And picking a couple of things every month to advance. Like, here's what I'm doing this month. Here's what I'm doing next month. And then what am I going to focus on this week? And then better yet, what am I going to do today? So my process goes from month to week today in focus. And so what I love about what you just said is one of the things I do every morning when I, you know, so the night before I go to sleep, I, because this is where a lot of anxiety creeps in. People go to bed overwhelmed and they can't sleep because they're thinking about their to-do list and their day. So what I do before I go to bed, it takes me a couple of minutes, 10, 10 minutes. I sit down when the, the whole house has gone to sleep um, and I write out, I go into my weekly planner you know, and then I flip to the daily page and I say, okay, what were my priorities for Thursday? I did this last night for today. And then I schedule it out, time block it by hour. And at the very top of that, so I get it all out of my head at night. So when, so I have a plan and I wake up, I can sleep better because it's out of my head. And then I wake up the next morning and I fill out some journaling props that are part of the planner. And I list three priorities for the day and they don't need to be massive. They could be like Matt's podcast, crush Matt's podcast, work out today, and I have to send out a bunch of mail. Those are my three priorities today, but they're advancing projects and things that I'm working on, right? But what I love about what you said is sometimes we can't get to things or sometimes it is a priority. So we just parking lot it to the next week, get it on a list, get it out of your head and onto paper, and maybe I'll get to it next week. Maybe I won't. We don't want to put things off, but it, it parking lots it for a little while, which is, is a really powerful and a, a great a powerful tool and a great high performance habit, by the way, because it says, okay, this is important, but my schedule has changed and my life has changed. So now this has become important and boom, uh, I'm going to move it to next week. So I think you have to find what works for you. But the point is, are you making a plan and are you scheduling your priorities? And the final thought, and this is big, if you can own your morning. And whatever that looks like for you, maybe you work nights and your morning is noon, but if you can own the first 60 minutes of your day, 
you will own your day. And when you own your days, you own your life. So I will tell you now, most days, I didn't start this way, but most days I am not in my email until like lunchtime, lunchtime. I spend my morning working, advancing projects, doing the creative work, getting it done first. Because guess what? I run a business. I will be on email. Everybody gets responded to. I have a team. It's all going to be there. But email is everybody else's freaking priorities. And if you are last on your own list, you are probably waking up every morning responding to what everyone else wants. You're jumping right into your Instagram. You're going right into Twitter and you're doing all of these things that put you last on your own list and that will hijack your goals and your dreams. So that is probably my biggest life changer over the last couple of years. I don't look at email. No, this is 90% of the time. There are times I have to get into email because I'm on the road or there's a big project or a deadline like a planner. We're launching that next week. So I might be an email this morning because I need to be. Uh, But most days, man, I don't look at my email. I get up I, you know, I've scheduled my day the night before I get up, I review the priorities, I time block it, I do some journaling prompts, but most importantly, I don't look at email right away. I wait, I get my work done and then I go take care of the rest of the world. And that is, that's a fear experiment in itself, Matt, because that's hard to do. That is hard to do. That could be somebody's fear experiment tomorrow. Don't look at email for the first 60 minutes of your day. Mm-hmm. And don't look at social media. So one of my, if I, <laughs> so if I was to, reframe something that I've done. I unfollowed everybody on social media, literally everyone. So if you go to my social media, I follow zero. Um, and I did that. And you know, like, I thought about it cause I was like, cause to your point, right. It's, I agree with you. You should check in with yourself before you check in with the world. But most people, the first thing that I reckon now, if we had, obviously we're not streaming this live like we usually would. Um, but, um, but if we had a thousand people on this, on this broadcast, 990 of them would check their phone, social media first, first thing before they wake up, they check in with the world first. Um, and, uh, and, and it's too tempting. I mean, God, like we've got access to all this technology and like ah, information and friends or ah, family and whatever. And so, um, it's a difficult thing to, to be disciplined with to then turn off, right? So, it, but if a temptation obviously breeds temptation. So like, and I, I highly recommend it. I'm, I'm a happier person uh, by not being inundated with the opinions of everybody with the smartphone. Um, and it makes me a happier person. I, like even my social media is run by other people. Um, I don't actually post any of my own stuff. So I'm very rarely on social media and it's just made me a happier person. I'm less anxious about the future like i used to subscribe to you know donald trump's you know twitter feed and it's just because i wanted to see what what was he was saying and so it's just an example but um but it's it's a behavior that you almost need to become self-aware of and then cut it out like remove the temptation completely because if you if you allow it to run in the background it will eventually in fact momentum will build the in the exact direction you don't want it to build right right yeah it's such a good point and you know everybody's got a different tolerance with it and it it, it is something that takes practice listen i am a little bit on the opposite side of the the spectrum i um social media has done so many incredible things for my business it's opened so many great doors it allows me to connect with people all over the world yet i am pretty self-disciplined and i can set strong boundaries with it some days are better than others Uh, but i do realize that it is a device that was created to addict us. So once you realize it is a drug, I think it is, it is as dangerous as picking up a cigarette and smoking or, you know, it is, it is an addiction. It is almost like the new smoking, right? And so knowing that about it helps me think more smartly about how I use it. And you know what I think about all the time, Matt? Because there's so many times that, I don't know if anybody listening can relate to this, but there's so many times I'm like, you know, I work as an author, a keynote speaker. I travel and I speak, you know, all over the world. Well, now I do a lot of that virtually. Right. But I work as a speaker and an author. And, you know, I I always tell myself this story that, oh, my God, if I'm not on social media, nobody's going to buy my books and everybody's going to forget about me and I'll never work again and I'll go out of business and all these things. And so I've got to show up. I've got to show up. I've got to show up. But then I think about it. There have been people writing books for 
hundreds of years. And even if you take the last 50 years, there are New York Times bestselling authors, brilliant, beautiful thought leaders who have never had social media, who have never, most of them built their speaking careers and their businesses before email even existed and it worked. So why do we, you know, is this, so one of the things I'm exploring, you know, is, what, why am I telling myself this story? And do I have to be such a servant to it or can I let go a little bit of the control and allow it to serve me, right? I mean, technology can be an incredible um, servant, but it's a terrible master. So who's the boss? You or your social, you or your email, right? You or everybody else's priorities. So I'm with you. Like I struggle with it just like everybody else because I, I love it. But do I love it or am I addicted to it? That's the big question, you know? And I think a lot of us need to answer that question. Yeah. It's, have you watched um, that program on Netflix, The Social Dilemma? Yes. Freaky. See, um, yeah. So, yeah. So in there, I don't know if you recall, but in there, there is that stat around US girls, uh, between, like millennials, so like 21 to 26, something crazy like that, or 18 to 20, whatever. Um, but like the suicide rates are like, exponentially going in the wrong direction and uh, and they made a very strong case that you know social media has a very big de- part to play in that right um and so that's a, a precursor to the question which i have which is all around role models actually uh but more specifically i'd like to get um you know your view on advice for young women uh because i think um you know, now more than ever, where there's just so much social change and flux and so forth. And I think women are trying to reclaim a lot of their sort of identity, if you like. Um, and so I'd like to get your view, like, what is your words of wisdom for young women today? Yeah. Oh, such, you know, it's one of those statistics that breaks my heart. You know, it's hard enough to be a girl in high school or a girl in the world these days, because, you know, everybody's telling you, you have to look a certain way. And so much of that is being shoved down your throat by the highlight reels you're seeing on Instagram, which are, oh, by the way, highlight reels. And 99% of the time, you really don't even know what someone looks like because they've got 25 freaking filters on their face, right? So it is scary. And so what I would say to any girl, this is why chapter one of my book is titled Love Yourself. Because none of it works and none of it matters if you don't love yourself. Uh, Social media will come and go. Different platforms will come and go. Companies will... fire you or furlough you. People will leave you. You're going to lose people you love, but the constant in every scenario is yourself. And so when you work on that, you realize that you already have everything you need living inside of you. And it comes with practice. I think when you're in your twenties and when you're 18, you don't have enough life experience yet to know any better. So I would tell any young girl watching to make sure you are monitoring those inputs. Who are you following and who are you watching? If all you look at are the Kardashians here in the States, you're not getting a really good glimpse at real people and real life. And I think you have to work really hard at at building confidence. And that comes through um, taking breaks from technology, uh, being out in nature, moving your body and having a positive group of friends that can help show you the way. But listen, nobody's going to show you the bad stuff. Some people have platforms that do that, but most people are showing you the highlight reels and that's what you need to know. And that's what you need to understand. And you have everything inside of you to live an incredible life. You just have to trust and love yourself enough to know that you are, you were born ready. Right. And that you need to be the, your own hero of your own story instead of looking around for someone else to be your, um, your hero, right? And so it's a tough question to answer. I'm not a psychologist. I don't have a medical degree, uh, but I do do struggle with that. I mean, I'm a 44-year-old woman and I 
I get jealous. I get, I will instantly wake up one day feeling great. Like I'll wake up and feel amazing about something I'm doing in my business. And then I log into Instagram like around noon and then I see a photo and I'm like, oh my God. I hate everything. My business is horrible. I'm like, I need to lose weight. I just look like a horrible person. Oh my God, my book is so awful. You know what I mean? And I'm like, what am I doing? So I feel that way. I can only imagine how young girls are feeling. Um, So I think we just have to take breaks. And I think it can start in the home too. I think parents have to model this sort of behavior too and um, keep an eye on it. But it's it's tough. It's it's hard. I'm so glad I I did not grow up with a cell phone. I am so glad. Mm -hmm. Can you met like I hated school. Did you love school? Oh, schools. I loved school socially. Like it was a vibe. Like I loved my friends and hanging out and going to school and all that, but I didn't really enjoy the school part. Um, I was a solid CB student. Uh, but when I got into like college and into my major, um, I really excelled because I was finally doing work I loved, but like all that basic stuff, it was hard. Tests were hard for me. I love that you're the same way. So you're, you're the same, huh? Yeah. I was a solid C. I didn't even, I quite get to the B. And look at us. Look at us. We're thriving. Look at that. C. 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 What do you think that is? There are so many entrepreneurs I meet that are the same, like very successful entrepreneurs that, I I mean, if I knew what I knew now, I would have done college so different. I would have done my career, my degrees so different. I just, I would have taken way more marketing, way more entrepreneurship, way more business. It just, everything's so different now, but I, I meet a lot of people who are, are similar to us. Yeah. There's actually a lot of similarities in your, the way that you strike. I've been reading the Amazon reviews as well. You also start each chapter with a quote, which is what I do. Uh, one of my chapters is called fear less, uh, which yes. is, is quite interesting. Yeah. But there's lots of similarities actually in, in the way that we think. So I'm really, really digging that. I love that. Two, yeah. yeah, cut from the same cloth. I love it. I love yeah. it. And both C students, so, you know, can't yes, get better than that. Take it over the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, it is amazing. Judy, um, <laughs> I want to ask you about your, um, I think you called it, I made a note here, your fear boss community. Could you talk to us a bit more about what it is, why it matters? How do we get, like, talk to me about what we need to know about it. Yeah, so the Fear Boss community, uh, it's the community that was sort of born out of the big ideas behind my book, Fear is My Homeboy. And I went on and I created a workbook called The Fear Boss Project, which goes deeper on my book. And all of this is on Amazon. And we could put links in the show notes for, uh, you know, South African uh, readers who want to buy my books. There is a link for you to buy all of my things, um, you know, internationally. And shipping is um, very, very modern. So we can link up in show notes. I'll send you that, Matt. But the fear boss, the idea of a fear boss is it's what we call ourselves. It's this idea that we're the boss, not our fear, that we call the shots. And it doesn't mean that we're not afraid. It doesn't mean that we don't feel fear. It just means that we choose to call the shots. And in our community, like our mission, we have a mission statement. And our mission statement is that we uh, choose to our freedom lives in smashing comfort zones because I believe any freedom you want uh, personally, professionally, financially, spiritually, all of that, any freedom you want in this life requires you to get uncomfortable in order to earn it. So in the fear boss community, we are on a mission to become fear scientists and to work together to experiment with our fear. And we encourage each other. So like we have a private Facebook group, so you could go onto Facebook. We're called like the fear boss fam short for family. And it's a group of people who are communicating and meeting each other and sharing fear experiments and talking about what they're doing and how it felt. And it just has built community, which is really great. It's a safe place to do brave things together. And that's really the notion of, of what a fear boss is. And the big, the second part to it is that so many people come to uh, our community, the fear boss community, because they want to get braver. They want to smash comfort zones. They want to fear less, but what they find out they really need is confidence and, and energy and stamina and the high performance habits that are going to get you brave and keep you brave because you know, as well as I do, it is hard to be brave. It is hard to do uncomfortable things. It is hard to put yourself out there. So you have to be mentally ready and you have to have energy and stamina and 
you have to have tools and focus in order to build momentum and to take action, which is the whole way you move with your fear. And so um, the third thing that we're obsessed with in the community is um, vibing and thriving. And so I've got a planner that is in creation right now called the Vibe and Thrive Planner that helps people work in small windows to bring goals to the finish line. And um, we'll link up at the show notes to all the things, but that's what it means to be a fear boss. Like we choose to go scared. We do it scared. Um, And the more we do it, the easier it gets. And where do you access this community? So Facebook, Facebook is um, the best place to do it. We have a private group called the Fear Boss Fam. And then we um, will have a Vibe and Thrive community as well once the planner's out. And I should have links for you after this. We can link up in the show notes. But my Instagram, Instagram's the best way, way for people to find out about everything. I'm at Judy Holler, um, J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R. And there's a link in bio that can give you access to everything, including the Fear Boss community. Cool. Um, Judy, you mentioned, uh, you were 44. Um, so, uh, you don't look it by the way. Uh, but my Thank question, you. <laughs> you're welcome. I did a good filter today, pun intended. I know, right? It's the lighting I'm telling you. Um, the lighting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you could get into a time machine and go back to that young, fearful, doubtful, you know, Judy Holler and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Don't worry so much. Stop borrowing trouble. It's all going to work out. It's all going to work out. Keep, keep moving forward. And I got you, right? I spent so much time worrying in my 20s. Um, And if I would have taken all that imagination, worry is a misuse of imagination. If I would have taken all of that imagination and all of that energy and channeled channeled into confidence and courage and loving myself, I would have... probably done some things different, but I also have no, no regrets. I'm so glad everything went the way it did because I think that's why I create the work I now create in the world. And uh, I really believe that if you want to know what anyone you follow, anyone you read, anyone you listen to struggles with, go read what they read, write and listen to what they talk about because I write about what I'm struggling with myself. And um, it is how I process things in the world. And I think I just tell young Judy to, to just hang on tight, stop worrying so much, and that it all works out. Keep having fun. Keep having fun. Judy, one more question, then we'll wrap it up. But why do you do what you do? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? The freedom I have to do work I love the way I want with people that rock. And that can be really profitable and really lucrative. So the reason I set my alarm at 6 a.m. and I get up when no one else is waking me up is because I know uh, that can be highly profitable. So, of course, motivation is the fact that you can earn a really good living if you get your butt out of bed and you bring your goals to the finish line, right? So let's be honest, right? You can build an incredible company and an incredible team and scale a dynamic business if you are willing to put in the work. So I get up, I move my body, and I do what I do because I want to live a comfortable life. I want the freedom to do what I want, the way I want, with people that are amazing like you. So uh, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning, uh, the fact that I can do all of that and build a seven-figure company while I'm at it. Boom. That's a bike. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I love your authenticity. I love your drive. I dig that you're so passionate about all this stuff. And uh, yeah, I think there's more books in you for sure. So congrats. I would like to congratulate you and say congratulations on all your success. I do believe that it's just the beginning. Um, so I'm super excited to, to see where you're going to go in the future. I received that. That means so much. And the feelings are mutual. Honor to be here. Judy Holler, you're a rock star. I'll be in touch. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, guys. Thanks for checking it out. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Matt Brown Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon best-selling book, 
your inner game for free right now today. You can grab that on mattbrownshow.com forward slash ebook. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.